Welcome to the Hospital Finance Podcast, your go-to source for information and insights that can help you stay ahead of the challenges impacting healthcare finance. And now, the host of the Hospital Finance Podcast, Kelly Wisness. Hi, this is Kelly Wisness. Welcome back to the award-winning Hospital Finance Podcast. We're pleased to welcome Adam Baru, host of the Change Podcast and CEO of Sweet Centric, a NetSuite consulting company, and EIQ Media. Adam has over 15 years of hands-on and management at NetSuite Experience. He's a creative and well-rounded technical leader with a unique blend of engineering, functional, and architectural perspectives and expertise. Adam was also an international wedding photographer who has photographed more than 200 weddings all over the world. As the host of the Change Podcast, he's amplifying the voice of servant leaders working to normalize the mental health conversation and build more empathy into business. In this episode, Adam will share with us how to be more mindful, lead with empathy, and kick negative self-talk. Thank you for joining us today, Adam. So happy to be here, Kelly. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm really excited about our talk today, so let's get to it. Um, How has mindfulness impacted you and the work you do as a business leader, as well as a thought leader? Yes, that is a huge question. Um, Where that all kind of originated for me was really out of a lot of personal struggles that I was having with my mental health. Um, This actually kind of started shortly before the pandemic, just, you know, as the CEO of the consulting agency working in the IT space, you know, with NetSuite, which I've been doing for a long time, as you noted in your intro. Um, you know, these types of projects are really, really complicated. They are long running. You're, you know, having to organize numerous people and get everybody into alignment. These projects are extremely expensive for my clients. And, you know, so that's just from a project perspective, but just like leading a company. You know, I think just before the pandemic, we were around like 25 or so employees and um, there was just a lot going on. And I had never really struggled with this before, but um, I started getting these anxiety attacks. Um, I think a lot of it had to do with just work and business and the stress there. My wife and I had gone through IVF um, shortly before that and, and, you know, then had a you know, our, well, my fourth child in October of 2019. And he wasn't a great sleeper. And I, you know, there was this one project in particular, which I, you know, I took on, this was now after the pandemic had already started. So just imagine, you know, and we all experienced all that trauma, all that uncertainty, um, and, and the, you know, how frightening COVID seemed and, and, you know, not just seemed, I mean, a lot of people were getting sick and dying, but just, it was a really tumultuous time. And so anyway, this project came along, I think this was around June of 2020. And it kind of represented this huge, big, you know, potentially long-term project. And so, you know, here I am, you know, faced with the uncertainty of my company, really, you know, leading a company that has always had a team first approach and being very nervous about having to lay anybody off. I didn't know you know, we work in the e-commerce space and, you know, I personally didn't predict how successful e-commerce would be during the pandemic. I mean, it kind of makes sense, but, uh, I was still very nervous and I didn't want to have to lay anybody off. So on this particular project, I really, unfortunately I, I shouldn't have done it, but I, you know, I was really trying to take on as much as I could take on just to ensure that I, my company would be successful. I wouldn't have to lay anybody off. 
And I was working like 70 to 80 hours a week on this project because I put myself in the position of being lead developer, lead project manager, lead architect, kind of lead everything, while also being the CEO of my company and doing everything else I do here. Um, and so with my little guy who was now, you know, a few months old at this time, I, you know, I was up until about one in the morning working with a team out of India. And then I would, you know, cause I was already up late at night. I said to my wife, like, Hey, when our little guy gets up, I'll, you stay asleep, I'll get him back down. And so, you know, that, that kind of just a little sidetrack. That's just something I've been dealing with where I kind of take, I, I don't, I've never been good with boundaries and I always, I'm kind of a people pleaser. And so, you know, just in helping my wife, I, I kind of took that on and was only sleeping about three or four hours a night. And so, you know, I really think that, you know, with the trauma from the pandemic, just kind of turbocharged these anxiety attacks, they were extremely debilitating. I mean, I had never really had them before. And so, um, I, I really, it was spiraling and I really felt myself going into a dark place there. And anyway, I'll kind of fast forward around the mindfulness. So I kind of, you know, did that and, and didn't really, I didn't really know how to, I knew I had to get ahead of, you know, taking care of my mental health. I didn't really know how to do it because I've never, I've never done it. And I, something that I talk about a lot of my podcast is this notion of being the provider. I mean, I, I have four kids, two of them are adults now, so they're easy, but I've always had this, you know, giving everything of myself to everybody else first. I thought that's what I had to do. I thought I had to, you know, what I needed didn't really matter. Right. And, you know, it all led into, you know, all this anxiety attack and, you know, claustrophobia and some, you know, just other stuff that was just cropping up. It was terrible for anybody who's had anxiety attacks before. I mean, I wouldn't even wish those on my worst enemy. It's just there. It's really bad. Um, and you know, after, several months of dealing with this, it was around March of 2021. Now I knew I had to change things. I couldn't go forward, you know, kind of dealing with my mental health anymore without, you know, just thinking like, Oh, things will eventually get better. And then my mental health will improve. Well, no, I actually had to get ahead of this and take ownership of fixing it. And so I, I hired a bunch of really expensive, but super awesome developers who I, trained on this project and, and spent the next six weeks just kind of turning everything over to them. And, you know, so that was step one. And then step two was I was extremely fortunate to one day get solicited on LinkedIn, which I do constantly, um, for somebody who, you know, promoted themselves to me as an executive coach. And, you know, I had already kind of toyed with this notion of having a coach, um, but whatever, for whatever reason, this one particular day in March of 2021, when I got the solicitation and, you know, now I know it was just an automated bot, but it seemed so, it just, this solicitation just seemed to like reach out and speak to me like, Hey, this is for you. And it was, uh, from this coach named Kristen Taylor. So I hired her and, you know, kind of my second session in with her had a really profound breakthrough of, you know, for me, where all of my challenges just as an adult dealing with, you know, some alcoholism and some drug use, you know, nothing crazy, but just, you know, just trying to numb and, and hide and not deal with some, some trauma that I had when I was six years old. Um, and that all kind of came out 
it just kind of, I had this amazing revelation one night and, and it's like everything in my life now made sense as to like why here I was at that time, like how everything led to that moment. And anyway, you know, one of the things that Kristen, you know, is an advocate for and one of the, you know, really powerful tools that she uses through her practice is mindfulness and, you know, various breathing exercises and really just, you know, addressing the nervous system. You know, she would uh, lead me through some breathing exercises and talk about, you know, how like ratio or straw breathing, like its impact on your sympathetic nervous system or your parasympathetic, you know, nervous system response. And, and, and all of that was like making so much sense to me. And so, um, you know, I really started to, to just fully invest my, my thoughts around mindfulness and, and how I could be, you know, improving my self-awareness. There's a tool that we used um, that was created by Tara Brock named the RAIN method. And that was fantastic. RAIN is an acronym for recognize, allow, investigate, and nurture. And the, the nurture part of it, the N, was the most challenging thing for me. Like when Kristen was going through these exercises, like, you know, talking through stuff and then working through the rain process and getting to end, well, like, we'll say something, you know, positive about that and about yourself. And I would struggle with that. So long story short, that's how I discovered mindfulness. And, you know, just through mindfulness and through my work with Kristen, I've overcome profound imposter syndrome that I dealt with as a CEO of my company for several years, profound negative self-talk that is something I've been dealing with since I was six years old. Um, my self-awareness is, is, is increased. It's led me to really explore how I want to be a CEO um, and how I could take these things that were helping me and just be a model for that for, you know, whether it's family, friends, especially my, my team here, what, you know, I wanted to kind of stand up and be the type of leader that says, Hey, you know, I, I'm dealing with these things. I know we're all kind of dealing with stuff and especially through the pandemic. So, you know, we're a team first company culture focused company and, and I'm here to help you guys. So it's kind of a long winded answer, but I think it was important to kind of talk about my story and how, how I came to find mindfulness and how it's helped me and how I'm implementing it in business. Wow, that's quite the journey um, to get there. What are some of the tips that you have for kicking negative self-talk? I, I know I'm guilty of this, and I know I'm not the only one in the audience who is. Yeah, I mean, look, it's going to be there. And and really, the the number one thing is to ha like increase your self-awareness to recognize when it's happening. That's step number one. And that's where mindfulness is really powerful, because mindfulness just kind of gets you in the moment um, where... It's like, okay, hold on, let's slow everything down. I'm not talking to myself well right now. I'm feeling very anxious. Let's explore that, right? And so, you know, again, this is part of the RAIN process. It's like, stage number one, recognize that it's happening. It's what I just was talking about. And then allow it. And this is the thing that was also pretty profound for me. We fight with ourselves. And a lot of like negative self-talk comes from the resistance to feeling anxiety, the resistance to, you know, just becoming more self-aware and, and just saying like, okay, hold on, like allow that emotion to come in. Don't fight it so much. There's just too much negative energy that can get invested in trying to fix something that's 
bad about ourselves or that's broken. And, and so just allow it, recognize it and allow it, give it a name. Okay. I'm feeling anxious. This is anxiety, right? I'm naming the emotion. And then, you know, the I part is investigating. All right, well, you know, why am I kind of feeling this way? Like, oh yeah, I've got this major, you know, client deliverable that's due tomorrow. And, you know, I've, I've been procrastinating it, whatever it may be. And then the end part, the nurturing is like, all right, look, Adam, you're doing your best. It's really difficult, you know, that you're juggling all these things and you got this big deliverable tomorrow and, you know, it's okay. You're, you're, you're working hard and you're doing your best, right? So, you know, when we can catch ourselves in this loop of negative self-talk and just kind of break that cycle, like just, you know, like gain that self-awareness to recognize when it's happening go through the rain process, break that cycle, say something good and positive and, and nurturing about yourself. I swear you do that for like 30 days. I mean, there's this notion of like doing anything in 30 days and then it becomes a new habit, but it's, right. it's really true. I mean, look, I'm not perfect. I still deal with a ton of negative self-talk, you know, cause I still like a lot of like trauma and stuff doesn't just go away overnight. And, you know, I think the really also powerful thing to say here is you know, when, when I had this breakthrough and I was really discovering so much about myself and like making sense for, for how everything unfolded in my life, whether it was my divorce from my ex-wife, you know, that we have my older kids from, um, or, you know, like I mentioned, the drug and alcohol use, like, you know, we all deal with that and just kind of recognizing that it, it all kind of came to be. It's taken me a long time still. I mean, this was when I had this kind of profound revelation, I think this was April of 2021 and we're now November, 2022. And I, I'm much improved, but there's a, there's still a long journey ahead of me. Even the first kind of the first six months after I had this like initial revelation, you know, and that several things were unfolded, you know, because of the the hatred that I had for myself, the negative self-talk, that's why I was never feeling like I could take care of my own needs. And I had to, you know, give myself to my children and my wife and my business and everything else first. Right. That was so difficult. It continues to be difficult, a lot less so now because I I wholeheartedly recognize that if I am gonna, you know, try to be the best I can be for my family and give everything to them that they need, it has to start with giving myself what I need. Um, and everybody, you're all worthy of that. We're all worthy of that. You know, despite what we may have gone through that, that gave us a feeling of, of not feeling great about ourselves. We're all worthy of, of self-love. Agree. Yes. It is difficult to, to move past it, but I completely agree. And what is leading with empathy and how can it benefit business? Really leading with empathy, it all comes down to just trying to put ourselves in someone else's shoes, right? That's the way that I look at it. That's ultimately what it all comes down to. And we need so much of that now here in almost 2023, like in general, like with, you know, how much division there is in the world, socially, politically, you know, whatever it may be. I mean, even the pandemic, there's creating all these divides between the vaxxers and the non-vaxxers, right? The solution is empathy. Like just, okay, well, why? I mean, the, let's use the vaccine example. 
why why is, is so-and-so not choosing to vaccinate themselves or their kids? Like, instead of judging that, maybe let's try to understand that a little bit more. And so that that's super important in business. So from the perspective of, like, my team and how I manage them, I really, like, some people, you know, like, we see people and they're performing great. And then we, you know, something happens. And, and just having that kind of, like, awareness and observational awareness the emotional intelligence, like, hmm, something's not right with this person. Like, you know, they're just, their performance is down a little bit. Like maybe I should, maybe I should spend some time, do a one-on-one with them and just, you know, not talk about, you know, where they're failing, but like, Hey, just like break it down on a personal level. Like, are you okay? Like, give me a scale of one to 10. How are you feeling today? And just trying, I mean, that's where empathy comes into play for, for managing team members. And then, you know, more so to that is how we work with customers. One thing that has really helped us at SuiteCentric is myself, my two other partners, and, you know, many of our managers and our team members, they've, so we're NetSuite consulting partners. And many of us have been NetSuite end users, like working at companies that use NetSuite. And, you know, that's a profound perspective. It really, it gives us the ability now, you know, as a partner to be like, Hey, you know, we've been in your shoes. Like I've been in your shoes. I've been on the other side of this. I've, I've been the person that has had to go research partner companies to help me with my NetSuite needs. And, and so it helps me get in the shoes of my customer. Like, um, one short story is when I first was starting in my NetSuite career, this is about 2006, 2007, I was a developer, like straight developer. And I would get these projects and I had no, I really had it. I struggled with trying to relate to like, why is this customer wanting this? And, you know, I just had, I just couldn't relate to that. And I think through the years and being a business owner and doing the wedding photography, which you mentioned I did um, for several years. So then, you know, kind of now here I am 17 years into my NetSuite career. I, I spend a lot of time trying to understand the ROI for my customer. Like, you know, this is a lot of money for them to invest. Like what, what is the, true business case here. I want to really understand it because I want to make sure I'm delivering on that. And so that that's where empathy comes into play in business. And, you know, the, the greatest beneficiary of, of a company that practices empathy is communication and transparency. Yes. And I think, I think we do a good job here with that. And we let everybody know, like, you know, you can come to us with, you know, whatever, you know, we, we're okay with people making mistakes and, and, and not, and failing on a project. You know, we don't want to have it, that be a repeat thing, you know, for the same mistake, but, um, you know, I, I'm trying to eliminate any sort of like fear. I don't want to be a fear-based business. And, and when I can put myself in my employees shoes and kind of like, you know, if I was in their shoes, like, what what would I like here? I mean, how would I want you know, in terms of choosing the company I want to work for, like, what is it that I would want? And, and so I try to think about that and you want to making decisions as a, as an owner. Yeah, I think that's really important. And I, I think that more of us do need to, you know, exercise having more empathy and in, in business and in life. Right. Um, Absolutely. And so what do you make of the great resignation and how business is changing? Well, I'm super happy that, we're seeing that trend because it's reflecting something or it should reflect something to us as business leaders. I mean, the, the good business leaders are going to be the, the ones that are looking at trends like, 
like the great resignation and and trying to understand the reason because on one level it can piss you off like i mean it it sucks especially in my business when we lose people because it's extremely expensive i mean you know i can't i can't go on to say how valuable valuable our assets are not just from a personal perspective but there's a major cost to us when we lose people so you know this was what the it was happening in the great resignation i mean it was you know i think the contributors to the great resignation obviously the pandemic it just kind of flushed out this notion of like hey you know we all got forced to work from home what do i want coming out of the pandemic do i want to go back to having to work in an office where i hated that and i had an hour and a half commute each way like it just it was a it was a catalyst for people to check in with what what's important to them and i think that's fantastic we should always be doing and making decisions based on what's important to us and our goals personally that's where it has to start and you know there was this notion before the pandemic like let's create just this amazing environment you know at our office for our team members let's have a foosball table let's have free lunches and snacks and and all this stuff i mean that's great and all but uh I don't think that's the thing that employees want. They want freedom. They want to have, I mean, I've had numerous conversations with various people about the great resignation. And I think the common themes are, you know, people want to have meaning and value with what they're doing and where they're investing their time and their mental energy. And so as a business leader, you know, I need to look at that. I need to, to understand like, you know, what, what are the driving factors for this great resignation? Because I, I need to make decisions in my business to overcome those, those potential barriers. And if that means paying people more money, if that means giving people more PTO or, you know, time where they could, you know, if you want to go work from a, a mountaintop, as long as you get, you know, cell phone service or whatever, like you have to be as a business leader, you kind of have to start to be open to these things a little bit more. Right. Yes. Um, versus like when I came up in business, I'm a Gen Xer, I'm almost 50. Like as I was coming up, um, that freedom wasn't there. Like you just, you know, you, you, you got a job that was the best paying that offered the best growth trajectory. Right. So totally different decisions when it, where it came to like where, we chose to apply for jobs and, and, and stay at versus, you know, what's happening now. And, and I really think this millennial generation and Gen Z are driving a lot of it also now. And I certainly hope that this continues. I'm so excited for, for these younger generations because, you know, they were, they're the ones really that called out this stupid business methodology where, especially in the IT consulting world in which I've invested my career, the giving up the nights, the weekends, the holidays, the vacations, because you have to work. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I've had to do that, but that, that's not going to fly anymore. So yeah, I'm super, super excited that the great resignation happened and, uh, and that, you know, companies are, are changing the way they're doing business because of it. I agree. I think a lot of companies have, you know, seen that and, and have made some positive changes. I think there's a, a ways for us to go still. But I'm with you. I think, you know, in my career, we, it was butts and seats at eight o'clock and you were there till five, right? And that was the expectation. And like you said, yep. I think I think the younger generations are kind of pushing us forward, which is fantastic and which, you know, needed to happen. Um, yep. 
What's the background for your work on the change and how are you using your platform on the podcast to inspire change? So, yeah, I mean, EIQ Media, which is just an LLC I set up to be a, a production company for, you know, the idea is to host and produce numerous podcasts all around um, just the subject of emotional intelligence, right? So for me, the change, like I, I literally never saw myself as a podcast host. Um, I think I'm kind of like an introvert extrovert. And I, I think I do a good job socially, but I, you know, when it comes to like center of attention, being on a microphone, like it's never really been my thing. My older brother's an actor. So I let him have, that was his thing. And he does, you know, he's pretty good with it, but, uh, you know, it was never my thing. So, you know, as I mentioned, all of my, my own personal struggles with mental health, anxiety, everything that I was learning through my work with Kristen, you know, and, and overcoming my imposter syndrome where, I'm I've I'm not a trained business person. I've I've had businesses that I've run and owned, but I'm a software developer and a wedding photographer and my college degree is in environmental studies and I was a park ranger for the National Park Service. So, you know, just kind of trying to think, you know, for the first four years or so of running my company that I, I didn't know I thought I had to be somebody else in terms of a CEO. And, you know, that that work with Kristen and everything that I was going through really kind of, you know, I, I was able to call BS on myself for that. And just like, you know what, you're, you're an, a sensitive, empathetic person. And, you know, for me, I discovered that my path as a CEO is going to be kind of modeling and, and showing to other CEOs and business leaders that you can invest in your team, number one, and, you know, not have this bottom line or customer first approach, but rather team first approach and still be super successful in business and, and financially. So anyway, I created EIQ, you know, cause I, I had this idea for a podcast that I would host our first year or so, or season, if you will, um, was more kind of aligned around the great resignation and talking about things like burnout and, and just things that happen in our work life that, you know, I just wanted to have conversations like, you know, how to overcome these things or even, you know, where we go in business going forward. And then I did decide kind of maybe three quarters of the way through the year to, to narrow my focus, to talk about mental health issues in, in and around business a little bit more specifically and more often. So that, that was a little bit of a, our own change that we went through at the change. But I also through EIQ media, I, I was able to convince my coach, Kristen, that she should have a podcast and, uh, and, and talked to her, you know, about what interested her. And so we came up with how I made it through and, you know, she does a fantastic job hosting that podcast. She's just, you know, a, a really great speaker and just super down to earth and, you know, just very relatable. Um, and so her podcast, she just started season two and she did a little bit of a pivot also. She's now, kind of focusing more on like near-death experience, um, you know, people that have gone through that, um, talking about topics and kind of like the spiritual, non-religious, but spiritual kind of realm. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's, I really enjoy, you know, doing this podcast work. It doesn't, you know, unfortunately there's no money coming in from that. So, uh, 
so now I'm running a third company. I don't know why I keep doing this to myself, but I guess because I'm a serial <laughs> entrepreneur. But um, I actually just went live this week. I think it was Tuesday night. I went live with a, a web application I wrote called PodTask, which is a CRM and you know production flow tool designed for podcasters to manage their their podcasting business and stay on top of all their episodes and deliverables and production process and it also has a guest directory, you know, because, you know, a huge, you know, kind of where it all starts when you're working on an episode is finding guests and then booking them and, uh, and you know, being a guest on other podcasts and reaching out to other podcasts and people to, to promote yourself. So it has all of that. I'm super excited about it. And, um, you know, I was actually just walking into the office today, I was walking past my executive assistant. We were talking about pod task and I'm like, well, I've got all, it took me three months of development. I just stood it up by myself. I'm like, well, all the development's over. I can sleep better at night. But now the real work is ahead of us, which is all the marketing and trying to launch this other business. So I don't know how I'm going to balance all these things. Um, my sleep has definitely been the thing that has uh, been the odd man out through just getting pod tasks stood up. But, but I know how important it is to, like I said, you know, identify what I need personally, sleep, good sleep is, is something we all need to stay on top of our mental game. But yeah, I'm, I'm just, this idea of pod task was kind of like a whoopsie because, you know, talking about saving money, I was, uh, I, I used to manage all our episode management and production workflow. Cause we also, you know, I manage multiple podcasts and we work in a team environment where I've got my assistant and I've got a, my sound engineer. We have a marketing team. I've got Kristen in there it keeps us all on top of where we need to be to, to stay on cadence with all of our episode production cycle. I'm really excited about it, but I created it because I wanted to, you know, we were using a tool that was super expensive and I wanted to not use that tool and save money anymore. So I built PodTask with not even the idea to productize it, but just to use it internally. And, uh, and then kind of realized I should productize it and make, you know, try to make some money off of it. So, uh, Anyway, I'm just trying to figure out now, you know, how to go about running three companies and and having, you know, four kids, two of which are, you know, seven and three. So it's good times. Oh, and I have an Australian cattle dog. So, you know, for any of your listeners who know that breed, I mean, there's another huge chunk of time I got to dedicate to keeping this dog like happy and, you know, all of her needs met. So. Yeah, it sounds like you have your hands full, but it, you sound uh, you sound very passionate and fulfilled, and that's a, that's a very good thing. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I I feel good with that. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Adam, and for sharing all this great information with us about how to be more mindful, lead with empathy, and, and to kick that negative self talk. Yeah, thanks for having me, Kelly. This has been great to to speak with you today. It's super important, you know, topic to me personally, and I'm just I do feel excited more than ever to to be living in the time that we're living in. I mean, you know, I think there's there's a lot of great progress being made in the area of mental health and changes in business that are are a lot more empathetic to 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 the workforce, and I think that's great. So, thanks for giving me the opportunity to to be here and to talk about it today. Yeah, thank you. And if Adam, if someone wants to get in touch with you, how best can they do that? LinkedIn is the best way to do it. Um, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn, send me a direct message. Um, pretty good about responding to those. So yeah, I'd be happy to, to talk to anybody who's got any questions. Wonderful. And thank you all for joining us for this episode of the Hospital Finance Podcast. Until next time. 
This concludes our episode of the Hospital Finance Podcast. For show notes and additional resources to help protect and optimize revenue at your hospital, visit Bessler.com forward slash podcasts. The Hospital Finance Podcast is a production of Bessler. Smart about revenue, tenacious about results.